0: Mary I was paying more attention to the way you're wrapping your hair around your nose than to was saying. <laughs> you know,
1: I was just thinking I used to do this in school because I'm a bit ADD so I struggle to concentrate when there's nothing to do when
2: we're boring you when you, no. <laughs> hi welcome to scattered we're a group of friends from the same church who are serving God in different countries and we're meeting online to chat through books of the Bible chapter by chapter we'd love you to join us. Hi everybody, welcome to Scattered. Um, We're looking at Ruth chapter three this week and I've been listening to some talks on this and reading about it this week and most people say Who would ever choose to look at this chapter if it wasn't in the Book of Ruth? And and you're looking at it sequentially because you have to because it's the next chapter. It's quite a controversial chapter. It's quite a bizarre and unusual scene. So let's see, um, yeah, what we get out of this. Now, I think, morning, Helen. Morning, Mary. Morning. Morning. It's not Um, morning here. I, sorry, it's Mary's in a different country and it's is it London?
1: so ethnocentric.
2: <laughs> sorry. Um, good day, Mary. Um, I think for us to get the most out of this passage, it will be helpful for us to have a little bit of understanding about a, an Old Testament law called the law of the leveret. And that's going to throw some light on the bizarre behaviour of Ruth and Naomi in this chapter. So, Helen, can you fill us in a little bit about that, that law in Deuteronomy?
0: Yeah, so the law of the leveret was basically that in the event that a man dies, is married and a man dies and he has no children, his brother would marry the widow to sort of continue his line so that the brother's name would uh, continue. Often the firstborn child was named after the brother that had died. So it was to continue the um, family line and to keep the land in the family.
2: Yeah, thanks Helen. So we get to the, we've got to the end of chapter two and um, Naomi and Ruth have come across and remembered this um, family member, Boaz, who's been incredibly kind and given them lots of food. But it ends quite ominously with Ruth lived with her mother-in-law. And I think we're supposed to think that's not enough. That's not gonna solve their problems long-term. And so at the beginning of chapter three, Naomi comes up with a plan where she tries to um, get Ruth settled and find herself a husband. Um, Now, there's been a lot of debate about the wisdom or the folly of this plan. But um, looking at the text, what do we think about um, what Naomi asks Ruth to do?
1: I think it's interesting, isn't it? Because apparently that word that she uses, so in the NIV, it says, I must find a home for you. But that also means rest. I must find rest for you. Um, There's rest in the ESV. Yeah. Yeah, so like for for Ruth, when Naomi passed away, um there would be no security for her, right? Like she wouldn't have had any rights or anything. Like you can see Naomi's desire to care for Ruth and to find some kind of security provision for her. Yeah, and the debate is, isn't it? Like the way she goes around about it. So Um, she sends Ruth off to the threshing floor so it's the the harvest is coming in it's a good time the men all kind of hang out of an evening eat together drink together then go to sleep and uh, Ruth sends uh, sorry Naomi sends Ruth in to go and uncover Boaz's feet and lie at his feet and very much throw herself at the mercy of Boaz to show that she wants her uh, him to marry her. I mean, when she actually goes to do it, she says to him, doesn't she, spread the corner of your garment over me since you are a guardian redeemer for your family. She's basically proposing to him. I was struck by the vulnerability of Ruth in this, like to put on all of her best clothes and make herself smell nice, have a wash. Like that's basically how a bride prepares for her husband and anything could have happened to her in this day and age. We know what the backdrop to Ruth is. It's, the, it's judges, isn't it? It's everyone doing as they please. Like this was a huge risk for Naomi, her, for Ruth, right? Like she could have ended up dead. Uh, she could have ended up in, you know, ha- having some kind of abuse happen to her. I don't know. It doesn't sound super sensible, does it?
0: Yeah, that's interesting that that's what struck you because what struck me was the risk that um, Naomi and Ruth put Boaz at. Like, here's this really godly guy. You know, the threshing floor wasn't near town particularly. It was often out uh, in the fields, a rocky outcrop. And they slept out in these fields and this rocky outcrop where they could do the, the threshing. Um, and often that was a time when prostitutes would go out to visit the men who were out there. And Ruth approaches Boaz in a not dissimilar way. Um, Although obviously she is a lot more restrained than the prostitutes who went out there. But here is this godly guy um, alone with this attractive young woman. He's an older man, attractive young woman alone in the dark. She's proposed to him. It's putting Boaz and his godliness at quite a risk in order to benefit Naomi and uh,
2: Ruth. It, it really struck me how rock solid his commitment to do the right thing is and you know that he's woken up in the middle of the night it's not the time that we're renowned is it for our clearest thinking or our best decision making but he's just so committed to God's God's ways isn't he that he um he just does the right thing and tries to protect her tries to keep her safe um and and yeah isn't swayed by the um potential uh options that are before him i but the other risk that i saw in it was other people they could have other people could have seen and jumped to other conclusions couldn't they so there was a massive risk to both of their reputations from this little midnight endeavor
1: because you'd think wouldn't you uh that if naomi i don't know if she didn't think that was a possibility right then what why is she getting Ruth to put on her best clothes put on perfume and go and uncover his feet and like I just think ah oh, like part of me just that grates with me that this older lady would send off this young lady into just such a situation um I don't know what you thought of that like you know we don't there's lots of contextual things that I probably just don't understand like cultural things but so part of me just it really grates with me
2: one of the things i read which helped me a little bit with that frustration mary was maybe this is a a sign of ruth's um mourning period for her husband is now over and that was part of the dress and the perfume was to say to boaz um the mourning for my husband is now over and i'm asking you to marry me not in the seductive way that we read it but i don't know
0: yeah i read that as well that it was the signaling of um of ruth's mourning period ending i think if you read the passage i'm i'm pretty unconvinced by the um by the by the sexual overtones that people lay over them um about yeah about what's been what's going on in the passage i think that um In terms of Naomi, it's hard, isn't it? Because where I, again, where I used to be in Northeast Uganda, it was really common to get your daughter dressed up and go and approach a man. And, you know, it's sort of, you would wear your hair in a certain way to say, I'm ready for marriage. And that was normal and not considered to be um, putting anyone at risk. It was just what you did you got your daughter dressed, you plaited her hair in a certain way and she went out and visited an area where she knew men to be. So
2: I that think the thing follow- I, I, I totally accept that, Helen, and that's really helpful. The thing I struggle to get beyond is the fact that it's all done in secret and in the dark. And I would say all through the Bible, things that are concealed in this way and done at night and in the dark aren't normally good things you know the betrayal of jesus was at nighttime in the dark wasn't it and i just think all through the psalms there's sort of the cycle of the, with the day comes hope and life and good things and the dark and it was fascinating to me that actually she goes out at night and when boaz actually wakes up and speaks it's midnight and the new day has come and so actually boaz speaks as the new day dawns and Boaz I think is without doubt the um unquestionable character in this story who signifies hope and the redeemer so yeah once i saw that about darkness and not, like the morning time when Boaz wakes up i thought that that was helpful to me in thinking yeah the bible doesn't portray good things happening at nighttime. does it it's almost
0: a reflection of the beginning of Genesis 1 isn't it like the world started in darkness and light came God you know, spoke that, and there was light God, God yeah. spoke and there was light you know the world started in darkness God spoke and there was light um and that's when good things you know good things came into the world it was good it was good it was good
1: yeah because there's there's also the school of thought isn't there that what Ruth was doing in laying at his feet was just putting herself completely in submission to him and and saying to him like please can you fulfill um this role for me that will you know basically give me hope like it's her not going and demanding what she might see as her rights Um, with him as a kinsman redeemer, but her going and just putting herself in complete submission to him and giving him the opportunity. Because there's a question, isn't it, as to why he might not have done it already? Like, has he not seen their need? I wonder if that's why, you know, straight away we see him say, don't we, um, there's another person um, who's more closely related than I. Like he obviously, maybe he's even thought of this before, but he knows that there's his other relative and maybe he's waiting for this relative to do the right thing. Um, And that person hasn't done it yet. And so, yeah, she's put herself in complete, like, yeah, submission to him. And he responds just so in such a godly way, doesn't he?
0: And I think what the thing we need to realise is that Boaz's reaction is actually the least likely outcome. Think about when this is. This is the time of the judges. People are doing what they want. Men are doing what they want with whoever they want. And yet Ruth throws herself at the mercy of this man, trusts in his hesed that we talked about last week trust in his mercy trust that he is that God is at work in him and says please will you be the instrument by which your prayer for me will be fulfilled you know back in um, chapter two I think it's verse 12 she said he says doesn't he the Lord repay you for what you have done and a full reward be given you by the Lord the God of Israel under whose wings you have come to take refuge she's basically saying please will you allow God to use you to fulfil that prayer, form uh, like on His behalf.
1: Yeah, and we already know, don't we, that Boaz is a man of standing, and he's he's been already so kind to Ruth, um, and then he calls her, doesn't he, a woman of noble character in my version, or a you know, a worthy woman. And I, I love that we were talking about last week this. This kind of small, this microcosm of what it looks like for people who are following God, who love God, to love each other well in a context where it could have looked very different um, and the outcome could have been very different. But they may, the choices that they make in this situation uh, reflect God's, God's love and God's work in their lives, doesn't it? And it's interesting, isn't it? Looking
2: even at Naomi in this, you feel like she's got a... She's got a sniff, hasn't she, for the way that God's going to redeem in this situation. And yet she needs to, she she almost can't trust that it's going to happen in its own time. And so she wants to help it along with this potentially crazy scheme. But I guess in Naomi's corner, her confidence, isn't it, is in God's law that he provides redeemers for women like them and that within God's covenant and the good way that he set up israel there is provision for women like them and both her and ruth want to throw themselves don't they on god's promises in some ways of there is a way for us to be cared for please boaz would you do what god's um god set up to do and i think there are really good things there for us aren't there to think about that that's what faith is isn't it it's taking the promises that god gives us in his word and pleading them to him and saying please would you do this because you've promised this is what your character is you've promised this is who you are and yeah I see that they they do that don't they with the way God set up the law and asking Boaz to make good on that
1: for you guys has there been a a time like in your life when you've had to really have that kind of faith that you've had to be like God your promises are gonna have to be true for me
2: um, I'm just. Gonna, I need to throw myself at your feet right now. Um, for me, I think getting married was incredibly hard, <laughs> and I had to work really hard to look at what God said marriage was. Look at that. I could trust Him that He was going to be my helper. The whole thing was just really scary for me, and so that was the time in my life where I had to really take hard hold of God's promises and say. You know, I, in yeah, you know, like I know Paul's a good man um, and I'm going to trust you that you're going to help me through this and that you're going to make good on all the things that you say about marriage and that you're going to use it um, for good in our lives. Um, mm.
0: For me, I think it was when uh, I had a miscarriage, I miscarried at 12 weeks and it was that con- kind of concept like God, I know you're good. And uh, I know that pain, I know that you you effectively promise in the Bible that pain isn't pointless. And I need this to be true. I need this to not be an evil act. I need this to be um, for my good, for your glory. Otherwise, it is too devastating for me to handle.
2: I think this passage is really helpful in that wrestle, isn't it, between active faith and I think so often we think of faith in a passive way and it's a real wrestle in this passage isn't it because potentially Naomi pushes too hard um in her own strength but I find that a really hard line of uh, what when in our faith journey do we need to wait for the Lord to act and when is it right for us to take some initiative and do things ourselves um, the other thing I saw in the passage that I'd not realized before, you know, in verse 10, where Boaz says to um, Ruth, may you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this kindness greater than the first in that you've not gone after younger men, whether rich or poor. And I think I'd always thought that the kindness he meant was offering herself to an old man. But when I was looking at it this time, I saw actually that's a kindness, isn't it, in offering herself to have a child with um Boaz for Naomi's benefit and for the like we talked about at the beginning with that that law that allowed Naomi to have an heir and for that family line to continue and I just thought that is an amazing kindness isn't it because it's almost like she's offering to be a surrogate for um the
0: line of her dead husband um and again that's a big ask of Boaz isn't it Sorry, Mary, I was paying more attention to the way you're wrapping your hair around your nose. <laughs> to... I was just thinking, I used to do this in school because I'm a bit
1: ADD. So I struggle to concentrate when there's nothing to do. So we I... feel
2: privileged that,
0: you know, you're confident enough <laughs> to do that right under our noses. Sorry, Helen, uh, what anyway. were you we going to say? I was going to say, I'm going to speak now because Mary's too busy fiddling with her nose. Uh I was going to say, the key, the thing here is, isn't it, is that Boaz praises Ruth for her hesed, for her ongoing, beyond the call of duty love of uh, Naomi. Yeah, and he doesn't praise her actions. And I think it's that um, intention versus way you go about it uh, tension.
1: Is the fact that Boaz says that about you didn't run after the younger men, whether rich or poor, is that a suggestion that actually Ruth could have got herself a husband do you think because again that's you know maybe that kind of grows the kindness doesn't it because or makes the kindness seem more um lavish doesn't it the fact that she could have gone and got herself a younger husband um but she didn't she um has waited for Boaz
2: yeah for the for the good of Naomi basically and for the good of that family line Although, I do think we've got to keep reminding ourselves, haven't we, that she was a Moabitess. And so, actually, she she wouldn't be that popular because people were so sceptical of foreigners. So, again, that increases Boaz's kindness, doesn't it? That he's prepared to invest um, his family line and, and mix his family line with somebody from Moab. So, Boaz agrees that he is going to do what's right but there's a spanner in the works because there's a a closer relative that he knows about that he says he's going to have to go and talk to in the next morning before he can decide what happened Cliffhanger, cliffhanger the credits roll um yeah they're left having to wait aren't they ladies it's hard isn't it to when we have to wait for the lord on anything and i think waiting's um not maybe our strongest point what do you any tips or anything you want to say about that whole having to wait for God to work things out when it's when it's totally out of our control
0: yeah I was thinking about this and it's interesting at the end of this passage isn't it because actually the question isn't is Ruth going to marry Boaz or not the question is who is Ruth going to marry because either she's going to marry this nearer redeemer or she's going to marry Boaz um And that's, yeah, I just, and there's so many words of uncertainty in that bit, isn't it? If, 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 I just think it must have been a really terrifying time for her. I think though that we've, what we're learning through Ruth though, is that, you know, the universe is not, it's not governed by an impersonal faith or a, a, or a, um, or luck, you know, it's, it's governed by a personal God who, um, cares and sees and knows and will act at the right time you know that this redeemer hasn't come for Ruth for quite a while and yet now he is here he is the redeemer that she needs at the time she needs it and I think as we sit and wait we can like you said earlier hold on to that promise that God will provide what we need at the right time in the right way Even if it's not the way that we would do it, and also
1: like as she as they're waiting, I I love that bit. um, Boaz gives her, doesn't he, before she leaves these six measures of barley. Says, "Don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed," which which is kind of picking up on that theme, isn't it, of being empty and full. Um, And there's this almost this deposit of hope, isn't there? Like Ruth is not coming back to wait with her mother-in-law empty they've got this this hope haven't they Boaz is going to do the right thing he is a kind man um, and when we're waiting we're not waiting empty-handed are we often if we look around at what God's providing in our waiting like last year when I was waiting for surgery waiting it felt like forever for my surgery I also like felt challenged to look around me and just look at how much God had given me in that waiting. And yeah, I love that picture of we we don't need to kind of, even when we're waiting for something and it's really hard waiting, if we look around and try and see what God is providing in our waiting, it can make that waiting easier, I think. Yeah, I had a
2: really great chat with Naomi Elliott this week and she was talking about chrysalises and when a chrysalis is formed and obviously there's the waiting then for the butterfly to hatch, um, there's gold on a, on the top of a chrysalis and she was just saying how much that administered to her about in that waiting God sprinkles gold and that's often the case isn't it like the barley here there's that real deposit of hope in our waiting and I guess the Holy Spirit works that in our hearts doesn't he as we wait ultimately for the day when our faith becomes sight we're not left waiting empty-handed are we just like Boaz sends mm-hmm. Ruth home full um yeah so i'd just love us to end by looking at boaz now obviously this is a real story these guys lived in bethlehem in a real village thousands of years ago but boaz is also a beautiful picture for us of our redeemer isn't he and a picture of jesus what what have you seen ladies in this passage that's encouraged your heart about um the way that our redeemer treats us i
1: think I am struck by the fact that uh, in his kindness to Ruth, Boaz doesn't put her to shame. Like she's in this position where he could have done easily. He could have woken up. He could have said to everybody, hey, there's this woman in here. I don't allow women on my threshing floor, you know, and completely like shamed her. But instead he he brings her in. He hides he hides any shame that she might have felt. He lets her go. He makes her go before anybody will see her. Um, and then he's going to go and do the right thing by her. Um, and I think I think it's just a, a lovely picture of um, kind of a foreshadow of our Savior who does not put us to shame, does not say, look at this awful sinner. Oh, what am I going to have to do to get you out of this pickle? But he lifts us. He lifts our head and he says, you know, gently, I'm going to make it Okay. I've died for your sins and you can wear my righteousness and have no shame. Um, so, yeah, I just love that that picture that we get of of that happening here. Um, and I think we can in our hearts just rejoice that we have that kind of saviour, like better, like we have a bigger, better Boaz.
2: Yeah. And so often our motives are mixed, aren't they? Like, you know, like in this story, we don't come to the Lord wholeheartedly or um, without our own agendas and yet yeah the protection that Boaz gives to Ruth is beautiful in this isn't it like he, he protects her reputation he protects everything about her sorry Helen what were you going to say
0: uh I wasn't going to add to that I was going to uh come up with another thing that uh I think Boaz reflects or points towards Jesus and that's um the concept this concept of the servant king so when Ruth comes to Boaz she says you know I am your servant Ruth but by the end it's Boaz who is serving Ruth and I just think it's that beautiful picture of the servant king you know the son of man came not to be served but to serve Uh, Boaz could have you know said I am the one in charge here xyz but yeah sure I'm going to do what you've asked me to do I'm going to deal with this situation for you And that's what Jesus does, isn't it? You know, we come to him, we say, please, I can't do anything about this. Please, will you help me? And he does.
2: Yeah, time and time and time again. Um, Yeah, that's great. Um, I hope you enjoy people this week thinking about that amazing Redeemer. And we will join you next week for the last installment in the saga of Ruth, Boaz and Naomi. Have a great week, everyone.
0: Bye.